This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the Swamp 24-7 podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp here with Blake Alderman. We're your staff writers for Swamp247.com with all your Florida Gators news. Blake, uh, it's been a week since we last uh, spoke on the podcast, you know, breaking down that Florida State game. With all the conference championship games now in the books, we know where Florida's headed. The Gators are going to the Orange Bowl to take on Virginia. I guess first off, Blake, um, you know, not to... um, you know, diminish the accomplishments that Florida's had. But I think a lot of Florida fans are a little bit disappointed in the matchup overall. You know, you think New Year's Six, you think big game against a storied team. And uh, just because of the way things work out, Florida ends up contractually uh, slotted against a Virginia team that frankly hasn't been very good. Uh, what, what do you make of of this matchup for Florida? And um, I guess what, what are some of the silver lines you can take away from a matchup that probably isn't going to get fans very riled up, but still gives you a chance maybe to get to 11 wins? Yeah, I think you just kind of hit the nail on the head. I think it's the the chance of getting 11 wins um, and, and kind of looking back and saying that you improved um, from year one to year two and that, you know, you can kind of paint the picture of the future is bright, whether you do that on the recruiting trail, whether you're doing that to fans, whether you're doing that to players that you're trying to convince not going to the draft. Um, you know, I, I think that, that that's really the silver lining there. Um, I understand the frustrations, and I think a lot of it has to do with you know, Virginia going out and just getting absolutely annihilated by Clemson in the ACC championship game. Yeah. I think that, you know, kind of, kind of being right so close to whenever they announced the bowl game, I, I don't think that really helped any any kind of luster there. I mean, I don't know if, you know, I mean, looking at that division of the ACC, I don't think you're going to get the, you know, a, a big time juggernaut because it, it really seems like Clemson's league. But I, I think just the, the fact that they just lost by such a big landslide, I think really just it completely takes the air out of, you know, any kind of buzz you want to have out of this bowl game. But, you know, I, I think also at the same time, if you look at, you know, Florida was projected at one point to go to the Cotton Bowl against Memphis. That's not this big, rat, you know, big matchup right. either. Um, so, I, I don't know. I guess it's it's good to be in state. I'm sure a lot of players would love that, having that bowl game in state. But, you know, I understand that, you know, getting, getting skull bashed like that by Clemson in the game before really didn't probably help the excitement. Yeah, and I think, you know, the New Year's Six is kind of weird because it is this, uh, you know, prestigious set of bowls. But particularly this year, the way it worked out with, um, you know, the Peach Bowl and the uh, Fiesta Bowl being hosts for the college football playoffs and, um, you know, the way the G5 has gone, the group of five conference has gone the last couple of years. Uh, there wasn't a whole lot of flexibility in terms of the matchups this year. Like I know last year, um, you know, you had a couple different access bowls where um, they were able to kind of shift things around so that the committee could put LSU against UCF and Florida against Michigan based on you know, the way those bowls played out, but because of the way the playoff scheduling and everything went this year with which bowls got, you know, the playoffs, um, there was really only one at large bid, one true at large bid. And that was the cotton bowl. Um, you know, this ACC, uh, versus big 12 or sorry, big 10 sec Notre Dame 
in the Orange Bowl was contractually slotted. So uh, I think some of the frustration was there wasn't a whole lot of choice here. Uh, even the Bulls, I think, were probably not like loving a Florida-Virginia matchup. Um, but part of that, I think, too, was I, I think Florida fans, not, not, not just after watching Virginia get beat really badly, but after watching Georgia get beat really badly by LSU, I think there was a lot of thought that, hey, Maybe we have a chance to jump Georgia. Maybe we have a chance to go up from, you know, number nine to number seven, number six. Uh, Blake, for for you, in terms of the college football playoff rankings, were you surprised to see Florida really not move at all? Uh, you know, yes and no. I, I was a little surprised just because of how Florida really, you know, I know it's not, you know, the end of their season schedule really wasn't, you know, as hard as some of like the, the bulk of the games there in October. But um, I think when you just look at, you know, how decisively they won some of these games. Um, I, I was a little surprised they didn't move a little more, but at the same time too, I, I think everyone kind of had an idea that the top four at least was going to be what it was. I, I don't think there was any kind of major drama there, but you know, I, I think uh, just kind of seeing that Florida kind of, you know, hung around um, and didn't really make a big jump. I, I guess that was a little surprising to me. Well, I thought for one, you know, uh, I understand that, you know, the playoff was very set. Nobody had really had any questions about that. Uh, the thing that was surprising to me was listening to Rob Mullins, you know, the chair of the the selection committee, saying that Georgia was really in consideration for number four. That was insane to me um, because this was a Georgia team that lost to South Carolina, and frankly, that wasn't a very good South Carolina team. No, um, and then they they go out and they get blown out by LSU. I I you know I understand the case for resumes and all that, but to me, there was no question that Oklahoma was number four, and obviously they got it right. But for them to basically have put Georgia I, I just thought Georgia was a little bit overhyped in the committee's mind and I think part of that you know obviously they had the head-to-head win over Florida so I I wasn't expecting Florida to jump Georgia because I, I think that the committee's right that you shouldn't be heavily penalized for playing in a conference championship game there you know there's something to be said for for winning throughout the season to put yourself in position to play a very good team um, and I think across the board, you saw them not really penalize teams for losing their conference championship games. You know, Wisconsin wasn't really heavily penalized at all. Um, Utah would be the lone exception. And I think part of that was with Utah. They just hadn't played anybody all year. Um, so they were looking at that overall body of work. But I, I thought for for the committee to come out and say that Georgia was even in consideration for that number four spot was a little bit insane to me after they had just gotten absolutely waxed. And, you know, I think that the frustration of Florida not maybe moving up at all just kind of exacerbates this matchup with Virginia is like Florida fans feel like they have a very good team. You know, you look at the losses that Florida had, that's the one that always comes up in the fan bases. Uh, find me two better losses than Florida has. And, and I agree with that. You know, Florida played LSU probably better than just about anybody else has all year. Certainly played him uh, better than Georgia did last weekend. Yeah. And I mean, you can make the case that I think Florida played LSU better than Alabama did. You know, I know the score, the score got close late in that Alabama game, but for the most part, Florida was back and forth really until uh, late in the fourth quarter. And uh, so I, I think there's a little bit of upset feeling in the fan base over that, that, you know, Florida just seems to be a little bit disrespected for whatever reason. And I think you can make a fair case, Blake, that if you put a healthy Florida um, back out on the field against Georgia today, I think Florida could maybe win that game. You know, I'm not positive that they win, uh, but I don't think it's as clear cut as uh as maybe it looks in the rankings when you see Georgia up at five and Florida still back at number nine. You know, it's funny. I, I, the night of the SEC championship game, I was at a buddy's 30th birthday party and uh, he, he's a Florida fan and we had the game on, you know, we were watching conference championship games throughout, you know, the birthday party and whatnot. And the whole time he's watching the, the LSU Georgia game, he's just saying, man, if only Florida would have beat Georgia, you know, they could have been here in this game. 
and, and I think whenever you look back and you see how decisive that LSU really came away with that win, I'm sure a lot of Florida fans were just watching that game. And I, I, I thought to myself, I was like, man, I wonder how many other Florida fans feel the exact same way because I'm sure that was probably the general All consensus watching that game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The yeah. whole time, I'm sure they're just watching that like, man, man, we were so close, blah, blah, blah. So I, I don't know. I, uh, I definitely think that I, I think you have some some merit there. You know, whenever you look at how Florida played against LSU, and you know Alabama, that was a home game for them. Um, you know, Florida kind of did that on the road, so I think that gives it some luster there. So, you know, I, I definitely uh, I, I agree with a lot of things you said as far as you know when you look in and you kind of compare Florida not making this big jump, but Georgia didn't make a big drop. Uh, I, I think there's some some truth to that argument. Well, I think if we're being honest, too, I think Florida really was not helped out by the way its opponents fared this season. I mean, you looked at the schedule coming into 2019 and you were like, wow, this is going to be a top five schedule in the country. I mean, it just is. You're playing Miami and FSU. Guess what? Both of those programs ended up being pretty terrible this year. Um, You know, South Carolina didn't really make a jump with Jake Bentley. Uh, You know, obviously he got hurt. But so that program didn't do as well as you thought. Missouri kind of faltered, you know, ends up firing their coach Um, after getting that big transfer quarterback. Right. So I I think you were looking at this schedule and thinking, um, you know, for Florida to have only had two losses and for them to be pretty close losses to two of the top five teams in the country. um, You'd think Florida would be a little bit more in the mix. But then, you know, when you do look at it from an overall body of work standpoint, um, I don't think it came away being as impressive a year as as maybe Florida fans thought it would be. And then I can kind of see from the committee standpoint, you look at it, you say, okay, well, where's the quality wins? And yeah, you beat Auburn. But so did three other teams. Um, you know, I mean, Auburn's Auburn's a good team, but there's not another team on the schedule that Florida beat where you go, yeah, that's a quality win. And I think when you're stacking up resumes and maybe trying to get into that, you know, upper echelon of maybe even maybe even as a two loss team getting some consideration like Georgia did for the playoffs, I, I just don't think Florida's resume had enough punch in it. You know, I look at Wisconsin. Uh, to me, that's a that was a, a two loss team going into the the Big Ten championship game uh, that had a really, really good schedule. I mean, they had three very, very quality wins. And I think those are the kind of things that kept Florida back at number nine. And again, a lot of that's completely out of Florida's control. And unfortunately, Florida won't really get to play a good team in this bowl game uh, where they can show that they were overrated. I mean, every, you know, this is kind of, that's the other thing about this bowl game that sucks for Florida fans is like, it's kind of lose, lose. I mean, if you, if you go in and beat Virginia, yeah, you're supposed to. And frankly, you should beat them pretty big. I mean, Florida's going to open like a three touchdown favorite somewhere in, you know, between two to three touchdown favorite. That's tough because it makes it hard for your players to get up for the game. Um, And then, you know, I mean, I always look back to that Louisville game in 2012. This was a Florida team that was on the verge of potentially playing in the BCS National Championship game. Had USC beaten Notre Dame in the final weekend of the season. And they showed up in New Orleans against a Louisville team that, frankly, they didn't have any interest in playing. And it was tough. So, Blake, I think... More than anything, that's going to be the challenge for Dan Mullen, right, is is finding a way to get these guys motivated and ready to play uh, against a Virginia team that probably most of these guys, you know, don't respect, you know, aren't, aren't going to really. I mean, it's going to be it's going to be tough. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think the one thing, uh, you know, that, that Dan Mullen can have in his pocket because he does seem like a really good motivator. I think the fact that the game, the bowl game will be in state, I think, is something that he's going to kind of hinge on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just, you know, your family can come watch you play, you know, all these things. You know, I don't know. I don't have my coaching hat on right now, but I'm sure that that's some way, somewhere, somehow that's going to be fitted in to kind of get these guys up and ready to play. Well, it needs to be. And I mean, you know, we're going to talk about it in the second half of the podcast coming up here, but uh, it's such a big thing from a recruiting standpoint to go out and win in South Florida. Florida should have a great crowd there. Um, you know, all these fans that are going to be able to travel very easily to the bowl game. 
uh, get a chance to see them. And uh, like you said, I, th- I think it's very important. You saw them on that uh, kind of finishing strong in the state and and making a statement that way. But I, I go back to I, I just think the motivation for this one's not going to be easy. Bronco Mendenhall's a really good coach. You know, Virginia's been a very good team. And uh, you look at what they do do well offensively, and uh, I, I think it's it's pretty impressive. Um, you know, uh, I think that they do a lot of things that Florida struggles with. You know, just looking at Bryce Perkins and, and, and even watching him before that ACC title game got a little bit out of hand. He's a guy that can make some things happen with his legs. You know, 3,200 yards passing and then another 745 rushing. So um, Florida hasn't typically done well with mobile quarterbacks, Blake, and they've got three receivers that can really hurt you, three guys, you know, with 65-plus catches. So uh, I, I this is going to be a tough matchup for Florida. Um, you know, say what, say what you will about Virginia, but I, I really like Bronco Mendenhall as a coach. And, um, you know, if Florida does want to take the next step forward, I think one of the ways you can show that you've taken that step is to come out in a situation where you really don't have a lot emotionally to be invested in in terms of this game and go out and take care of business because that's kind of what Dan Mullen's been preaching. It's, it doesn't matter who we play. Let's focus on getting better. And I think for Florida in 2019, getting better, you know, they missed the SEC championship game. You know, they, they narrowly missed out on the SEC East. Well, the one co- concrete way that you can get better Go from 10 wins to 11 wins, and that means winning this ball game. Yeah, and at that point, you know, it carries on. We're in full swing recruiting season right now, so, you know, things like that. I've said, I believe, on this podcast before that I thought one of the biggest things to kind of damper um, Florida's recruiting kind of late in the season there was, you know, how they would finish off the season. You know, you would kind of lose on a couple losses here. You know, you wouldn't have the stellar bowl game. You know, even sometimes you could lose that bowl game. I, I feel like this is a chance, too, to kind of carry into recruiting. Um, you know, the, that big thing of, of going from 10 wins to 11 wins, um, that, that's something that the coaches can use there. So it's just kind of each little thing they can do, it's just adding a little bit more ammo to, you know, the fire for Florida that, you know, it, everyone always kind of says Florida's on that verge. You know, Florida's just almost right there. And I think you have to kind of take care of what, what you can control and winning that game and showing up um, is easily something they can control. Yeah, and that's the key. I mean, they, they can't control who they're playing. You know, I mean, they, sure. they, they, they did the best they could to put themselves in position. But ultimately, um, you know, John Grenard said it several times. It's like, you know, we got hurt at the wrong time. You know, if, if they're healthy against LSU and Georgia, maybe it's a completely different season. But I think the one thing you do want to avoid is you've got this momentum. You know, the fan base really feels like Florida's disrespected. Um, so don't give them any reason to think otherwise. Don't give the national media reason to think, oh yeah, maybe, maybe Florida was a little bit overrated. Go out there, crush Virginia, get to 11 wins and then pull in a really good recruiting class. And I think everybody will go into the off season feeling very, very good about where this Florida program is headed. But, uh, Blake, I think, you know, we've said it from day one, recruiting, recruiting, recruiting. Uh, if there's any area and and really the only area that you could possibly critique Dan Mullen, I think, in so far, it's been the recruiting has been a little bit suspect. Let's go ahead and dive into that on the other side of this commercial break. I want to talk to you about in-home visits that Florida's taking right now. Some of these official visits, um, you know, that are coming up on the horizon. And then uh, we can talk a little bit of spots, you know, who's left, who you're thinking may or may not end up in the class. We'll get to that right on the other side of this commercial break, guys eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. 
With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Welcome back to the Swamp 24-7 podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp here with Blake Alderman. Uh, we just touched very generally on Florida's bowl outlook. You know, Florida playing Virginia in the Orange Bowl. I almost said Outback Bowl. Uh, in the Orange Bowl down in Miami. Blake, uh, you mentioned that this is going to be a big opportunity for Florida to really capture some more momentum in the state. Uh, I mentioned it earlier in the show, Florida State and Miami are both uh, pretty terrible programs right now. Florida State just hired a new coach, Manny Diaz at Miami under a ton of scrutiny, a ton of pressure already in year one. Um, What does Florida have to do to start to take advantage of this potential momentum that they could build in recruiting? Yeah, you know, I think obviously recruiting, whenever you look at just what Dan Mullen's done for the program, I think that's obviously the one thing that has been a little uh, not quite there for Florida. But I think whenever you look at uh, what they've done from starting, um, how they really got in there in the 2018 class, felt you know filled some needs. There was some excitement there, um, and then last year, you know, kind of uh, it, it seemed a little slow last year to start, but you know, Florida really kind of capitalized off of you know winning and having the season that they did, and they signed a pretty decent class. Although some of those guys did leave and defect, and there were you know yeah. transfers and guys that didn't get in, I think whenever you look at it, it's it's not quite the jump that I think a lot of fans would like, and I think part of that has to do with just the fact that SEC has so many top teams in recruiting rankings when you look at them, and a lot of them are ones that Florida plays uh, you know every year. Right. So I think it's not quite the jump that a lot of fans would like, but I think if you look at the at the class. Um, hoping that everyone sticks in there this year so you can get a solid number of what the recruiting class would be. But I think you're seeing improvement every year. I think that's the one thing you have to keep in mind. Um, And at this point, I think a lot of fans are going to kind of uh, gravitate towards more of the negative news. And I think it's kind of the the song and dance we play every year when it gets closer to signing day. And that whenever you have limited spots and you have a lot of targets that you're kind of juggling around, Obviously, not everyone's going to get in there. So a lot of the reporting is, you know, so-and-so is leaning this way, so-and-so is going that way, so-and-so is not going to visit, or, you know, you look at little things like that. So I think you kind of have to look at where Florida is at with some of these top targets. And obviously, like I said, spots are limited. So I think for Florida, you really just have to continue to get better every year. And I think really closing out this year and kind of capitalizing on these wins and filling in these spots with guys that you really need and you really want, I think is really the only place left for them to go. And obviously the good thing now too, is you have two signing days. So let's say Florida, you know, misses out on some of the guys in December. Uh, They also have quite a few other targets that are looking to sign in February too. So not all is lost. I think, you know, January can be just as important for Florida as December is Um, just kind of the holdover with some of these guys not signing. But again, when you look at how recruiting has gone in this day and age, the majority of the guys, they're all signing in December. I mean, I, I know there's some that won't do it, and the summer will wait. Um, 
but I think you get a good idea of really where your signing class is at, at least the majority of your signing mm-hmm. class is at in December. Yeah, well, I think that's a great point that you made that um, there's just such a volume of recruits out there and, and the number of guys you're recruiting, like like running back, for instance. Florida's keeping five to six guys uh, they're, that they're recruiting heavily. And you know what? They can't take five to six running backs. So you're sure. absolutely right. There's going to be news that comes out where, you know, Jaquavius Marks says he's pretty committed to Mississippi State or whatever. Um, and, and it sounds negative on the surface, but look, Florida only needs one or two of those guys. Um, so you're not going to get positive news across the board. That's just not how recruiting works. You know, there's, there's so many other teams that you're out there recruiting and they, they've got their classes they need to fill. So that's a good point. Um, I, I do think fans need to look at it, you know, f- from a holistic standpoint, you know, take, take the, uh, that's not even the right word, but just, just take an overall view of the recruiting class. And, and one thing I will say um, you know, you mentioned the 2019 class kind of fell apart in some spots. The one thing I like about the 2020 class is when you compare it to the current roster that Florida has, they're really doing a good job of shoring up spots that have had class gaps. You look at, you know, the defensive tackle position is one that I think they've done an absolutely tremendous job. And we've talked about David Turner being very, very, very good on the recruiting trail. Um, that's the kind of things you need to do to get to competing at, cha- you know, for championships on an annual basis. And Frankly, those were missing. I mean, Florida signed one defensive tackle in the last two classes. That's not going to get it done. So shoring up that gap, shoring up the secondary. I think they've got seven defensive backs committed. Uh, You look at some of the guys that are going pro. C.J. Henderson announced last week that he's going to the NFL draft. Uh, You know, you have the potential for Marco Wilson to go. But even if he doesn't, you've got a bunch of guys in that secondary right now that are juniors or seniors. And so you need to start filling those gaps. And the one thing that I will say that, you know, regardless of where this class is ranked, relative to the SEC, relative to the rest of the nation. I do think Dan Mullen's doing a very good job of filling holes. And that's something that I thought that Jim McElwain and and Will Muschamp really probably struggled with, uh, where maybe the class numbers look okay on paper, but you're looking at it and you're like, man, there's a gigantic hole coming up on the O-line where we're going to have to start uh, a bunch of freshmen. Um, And so I think Florida's doing a really good job of that. Um, Blake, let's let's go back into the needs, because we talked about this a little bit in the last podcast. Go ahead and give me an outline of, of where you think Florida is spending the most effort right now in terms of position, in terms of recruits uh, to try to shore up these final five or so spots. Yeah, you know, I, I think running back is obviously the one that you mentioned that's a big need with Florida just not having a commitment from that position right now. And they're juggling a lot of guys right now. Um, some of the guys, you know, Jameer Gibbs, a four-star running back out of Georgia. You have a Henry Parrish, a four-star running back out of South Florida. These are some guys that are planning on signing uh, in February. So I think you really start to hear a, a little bit more about these guys um, come January. Um, but just looking at, at other guys there, EJ Smith, another big time running back target for Florida, the son of Emmett Smith. Everyone knows him. He's a fan favorite on Swamp 24-7's message board. Um, I think he's a guy that Florida's putting a lot of effort into as they're looking for the running back. You know, they're they're looking at possibly taking two running backs this class. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of how many at, at certain positions, it, it's kind of a ripple effect we have here. You know, you're looking at Florida who who could sign maybe two running backs. You're looking at Florida who would like to add possibly three more defensive tackles. You're looking at Florida who had two defensive end targets on campus last weekend. And if you're counting, you know, the numbers don't add up for how many spots are left. So I think could possibly Florida not sign either one of those defensive ends? Sure, if they start trending elsewhere, if they're, you know, not looking to go to Florida. I know one of them, Donnell Harris, he was committed to Texas A&M, and you have Morvin Joseph, the other defensive end. 
um, who is uh, you know looking at Florida and Tennessee now. I think if you see either those guys go elsewhere, then maybe you see three defensive tackles. I think a lot of things right now are a sliding scale. Um, sure. But defensive tackle is a big need for Florida. They have a, a quite a few targets um, that will be on campus this coming weekend for official visits. That's looking to be a pretty heavy defensive line uh, weekend for Florida. So, yeah, wide receiver is another one, too. They're juggling a couple targets. You know, Malik Heath, Xavier Henderson, Kentron Poiter. Um, there's a couple others that they're also looking at, too. So uh, running back, wide receiver. Um, I think they need some guys in the secondary still. They're going to go see a uh, safety um, who is committed to Tennessee. They're going to see him on Monday in four-star Mordecai McDaniel. Um, it's a guy that Florida's been really trying to press to, to flip as they're you know continuing to build in the secondary, which is the spot where they have you know needs to fill, like you said. Um, so, yeah, I would think that those are probably the biggest spots left for Florida. Uh, running back, wide receiver, um, you know, looking along the defensive line, whether it's defensive end or more so in the interior part of the defense line, which me personally, I think, you know, going in those defensive tackles is a little bit more of a need for Florida. So I, I would say those are really the positions to really focus on. Uh, but then you have a wild card, too, that you could throw in on the offensive line. You have coaching ch- spots that move around this type of year. I mean, look at Georgia. You know, you lose your offensive line coach. Um, that could open the door possibly for a four-star offensive tackle in Josh Braun, who was a uh, you know really high on Florida early on in the process. He picked the Bulldogs, uh, but now they're looking for no you know no offensive line coach on the roster, and this guy's supposed to make a decision and sign sometime on December 18th. So you know it's kind of crunch period here, and I think that's a guy that I could see Florida going after just from interest there that he and Florida both had before his commitment, and obviously not having an offensive line coach opens the door for Florida to take a shot. So I think it kind of depends, but you know it, it's at the point now where I don't think Florida is going to turn away good players. Um, they're at the point where they're looking to revamp this, uh, you know, the roster. But I, I think that those are probably the biggest positions to really follow right now. Blake, let me, let me go a completely different direction with you here. Um, a Florida staff is not known as, as being elite recruiters. You know, you don't necessarily talk about them generating kind of the buzz that some of these other staffs do, the Clemson's, the Alabama's, the Georgia's. Um, but I do think Dan Mullen has proven that he's a pretty good closer. I mean, it seems like, you know, with Emory Jones, I remember that being a big one late in the process where he was able to get a flip. Uh, the 2019 class closed pretty strong, even though when we were in these December periods, it seemed like, you know, Florida would come off an official visit weekend and it just wasn't a whole lot of buzz. What do you think it is that has allowed Dan Mullen and his staff to be strong closing uh, without necessarily kind of generating the buzz or, you know, blow the doors off on these visit type weekends. Um, is, is there something that they're doing well that maybe doesn't just doesn't get as hyped, um, but is still equally effective? I think it's just their genuineness. You know, they're, they're not, I, I've had an offensive line target earlier this spring. Tell me that John Hevesy, Florida's offensive line coach told him they would probably redshirt here. Mm-hmm. You know, that that's not for everybody. You know, Florida's, I mean, I'm not saying that they're going around telling everyone that, Hey, you're going to redshirt. Hey, you're not any good. But they're 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 upfront, and and I think that that is something that is a commodity on the recruiting trail because there are a lot of salesmen, there are a lot of coaches that are going to tell you what you want to hear, and then you get to this campus and it's just not what you think it would be. Um, and you're in the portal, and now you're looking for a new home. So I think a lot of kids, and and I I, I could go on all day. I, I think moving things up to a December signing period. Some of these kids make rest decisions whenever they don't have to. You don't have to sign in December, but some kids just seem like that's the, that's their plan. They're sticking to it. I want to be done with the process. I'm over it. I think that that's where you can tend to see a lot of kids that just maybe don't make a decision long-term that's best for them. Not everybody, um, but I, I think that that's something that brings a new dynamic into recruiting. And I think that Florida is really an upfront staff. They're very family-oriented. Um, they're just 
very upfront and genuine people. And I think that whenever you're down in crunch period and you're really looking at where I'm going to go and you could be kind of swimming everywhere, I think that the genuineness of Florida staff, I think whenever you look down and you have to separate the real from the fake, I think that Florida staff is, is one of those people that are always real, they're always upfront. And I think that that does play big dividends whenever you're due, are, are trying to crunch and you're trying to close. And I think that that's something else that Dan Mullen does a really good job of too. You know, he's really good in those in-home visits. Um, he's He knows Florida. And I know a lot of fans, when you look at Mullen and you see how you know happy he still is to be the head coach at Florida, and I think right. that's a genuine feeling from him. And I think that that's something that is contagious to kids as well. Well, and it, it obviously gets the fan base going. You know, the fan base is in love with Dan Mullen right now, and sure. I think rightfully so. I mean, back-to-back 10-win seasons and all that. But I think the other thing that, that I'm hearing is, uh, you know, to go along with that sense of, of just being genuine, um, Florida's got a lot of consistency when it comes to the coaching staff. I mean, they don't have coaches leaving left and right. They're not hiring new coaches. Um, so, I mean, so far, knock on wood, you know, you never know. And this is a lot of coaches that have been with Mullen from Mississippi State as well. So I think you right. could even piggyback off that, too. You know, we haven't been together since we were at Florida. We, we have a relationship much prior than that. Right. And I think what, like, what, like what you're talking about, when there's all this stuff going on in these final few weeks and coaches are taking new jobs elsewhere and this and that, and you lose your position coach if you're a Josh Braun or whatever, you can go back and there's so much continuity with Florida that, again, you know, you may not have talked to them quite as much throughout the process as you did with like a Sam Pittman at Georgia or whatever. Um, but when those coaches do make the moves, you can look back and you go, oh, well, Florida's, Florida's still there doing its thing. Um, I do think there's some value to that. And so that, that's interesting that you bring that up. Um, because I'm just thinking, you know, like you said, um, fans are very exposed to a lot of the negative news just because of the sheer numbers. I mean, that's just how the numbers work out in recruiting late in the cycle. Um, and and I do think, you know, I, I'm not fully stumping for Dan Mullen here. I do think that they still need to do better on the recruiting trail. Um, but I do think that they're they're doing it in a very sustainable way. And I think, like you said, the you know, it doesn't appeal to every kid to hear, hey, you're going to come in in red shirt or you're going to have to work your tail off. Uh, you're going to come in at quarterback and you're probably going to, you know, not really play trust a whole the lot. The, that was something that, that was mentioned to Anthony process. Richardson this past weekend. Right. And the kids that are able to do that are the ones that are going to be able to um, be open to coaching once you get there and probably be a little more patient and not hit the portal. And I think I think when you look back at what Dan Mullen did at Mississippi State, clearly that had some significant effects on that program of being able to get some very veteran senior led teams uh, that were really able to take you to a, a different level. And I think Florida obviously has access to better athletes. And, and like we're talking about, um, a lot of momentum potentially uh, building in the state right now with, you know, Miami and Florida State both having down years, uh, Florida on the verge of potentially 11 wins. Um, Blake, I, I, I don't know. I, you know, we're we're exposed to a lot of the no's and, you know, that, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of buzz coming out of this. Um, but when you look down at it, what's Florida ranked? Uh, I know they're in the top 10 nationally right they're now. They're nine right now. They're, yeah, they're 2020 so. classes. Not, and, and to say something too else, Florida finished ninth last year. And I'm not saying that Florida right. couldn't drop. But I mean, assuming they have limited spots, I, I know, but they're going to sign a little bit over a 25 man class, most likely. Um, so they have plenty of room to go up. There's t- tons of upward mobility for this class. So where they were finishing ninth last year, they have the you know the opportunity to go even higher this year. And I think 2021 sets up well for Florida. So I, I get it. I understand fans' frustration. They want you know quick results like they saw on the field for Florida. But it, it does seem that there's a gradual improvement each year in the recruiting trail. Um, winning these games, I mean, we'll see where Florida lands now. But, I mean, they have plenty of guys that are some, you know, some top-tier guys that could help their class continue to rise. 
All right, Blake. Well, uh, I, I don't have any other questions for you on the recruiting front. You know, obviously, once these visits start going, we'll get more news. And, and th- th- that stuff will all be on Swamp247.com. Blake does a great job of keeping in touch with everything day to day. But, Blake, I'll, I'll go ahead and open the floor to you. If, if you have anything to add in recruiting that maybe we overlooked uh, on this show that you want to get in before next week, uh, go ahead. Yeah, you know, I'll just go ahead and kind of paint the picture uh, for Florida's uh, upcoming final official visitor weekend. Um, they're going to have lots of defensive linemen on campus this weekend. They're going to have their commit, uh, Jervon Dexter, out of Lake Wales. He's a four-star, cuss five-star guy. I think that depending on how he goes and he performs at the Under Armour All-American game against a lot of these upper-tier guys, I think this is a guy that could easily be a five-star recruit for Florida. So I know a lot of fans are looking for the five-stars. And, you know, yeah, they haven't had any five-star commits so far. But, I mean, I think a lot of fans would be happy if this is a guy that ends up being a, a five-star. Um, obviously, uh, the biggest target I think that's left maybe even overall out of all all their targets is Timothy Smith the uh, four-star Alabama defensive tackle commit he's coming off of his official visit to Alabama this past weekend he'll be at Florida this weekend Uh, Johnny Brown uh, Florida's defensive line commit uh, he'll be on campus really no recruiting drama there another defensive lineman recent commit probably their new I believe their newest commit Jalen Lee uh, four-star out of Louisiana he'll be on campus so uh, a lot of uh commits kind of mixing with some of these targets as well they'll have another guy out of texas uh princely uh man i'm gonna mess this guy's name up you man a million i'm sure that's wrong that's probably really bad to take it his name but he'll be making his first campus princely you he'll be making his there first cam- uh, visit to campus this weekend baylor has had a lot of buzz in that recruitment there auburn is also involved uh florida went to see him last week they sent david turner in for an in-home visit last week on tuesday so again he- a lot of questions will be answered by him this coming weekend uh, two other guys that'll be on campus, uh, Mississippi state running back commit Joe Quavius Marks. He's kind of a tentative visit, tentative like visit right now. Um, he just visited Starkville this past weekend for an official visit. And he left saying that he was 100% solid there. Wasn't quite sure if he would make the official to Florida. You know, you're still kind of thinking over things. Uh, Dan Mullen and Christian Robinson, who recruits Georgia for Florida, their linebackers coach, uh, they actually went, it will be going in home, uh, with, uh, Jaquavius, uh, on Monday. They'll be making that visit in there to see him. I- I'm sure they're going to be in there trying to close and get that visit and get a chance there. He's I believe off the top of my head, the only Florida target, or excuse me, no, EJ Smith is another. So him and EJ Smith are the only two off the top of my head that will be signing in December for Florida as far as target-wise. Michael Drennan is another guy, though, that's interesting. I don't know if he's going to sign in December or February yet. That one I'm still checking on to see if he's going to be coming in this weekend for a visit. That's one that I I think could possibly be taken off. Just as I get info, I mean, I'm not saying I will or won't. I'm not sure yet. Um, But he's uh, coming off of an official visit last weekend to USC. Uh, Kentucky is probably the team to beat there, um, but he has a lot of interest in Florida. He was there on campus for Friday Night Lights in July. So, yeah, I mean, whenever you mentioned how Florida has a lot of these needs, defensive line, running back, a lot of these guys will be on campus this weekend. So it's a, a pretty stacked visitor list this weekend with a lot of needs. So it's going to be interesting. It's the final week uh, for, excuse me, the final weekend for visitors before the early signing period. So I know they'll be looking to uh, close some of these guys out, especially Timothy Smith. As I said, he's, I think he's, if he's not number one on the board, he's, he's up there. Yeah, and it'll be good because Florida's uh, football team is actually going to be getting back to practice, you know, with bowl season going on. I know they're going to practice Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, so the players will get, you know, a chance to see kind of these coaches in their genuine, natural environment, coaching guys up. There'll be a lot of excitement, I'm sure, as guys get back out there. Um, so, you know, big chance for Florida to make a statement for some of these key targets uh, heading into the early signing period. But, uh, Blake, uh, I think that'll do it for us today. Uh, guys, uh, we were on a, you know, a twice a week schedule during football season. 
we're we're going to kind of transition back into off-season mode a little bit. Unless there's breaking news, we're probably going to stick to once a week, uh, most likely Monday morning. So I just want to give you guys a feel for that. Uh, but we'll be back in another week, kind of breaking down some of the bowl news as we talk to players and coaches and, uh, and, and get a little deeper into bowl season and closer to that Orange Bowl matchup with Virginia. Uh, that's all for today, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, if you like the podcast, please go ahead and drop us a like uh, or, a, or a nice review on iTunes, wherever you listen to it. And uh, we'll be back in a week. See you then. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.